You're listening to the weekly podcast by Forest Hill Church. Here you'll find a place to grow in your faith, get to know what the Bible is all about, and hear what it looks like to follow Christ. To watch our services live or find a campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org. So growing up, um, I was raised in a, a good home. Church was a part of our lives, but my dad mainly held us accountable for what was right and wrong. Once I got to high school, I was... I was introduced to alcohol and and pot. There was something about it that I really liked. Um, I had the opportunity to go and play baseball in college. The fall of that year, my dad passed away. You know, the the only person that was really able to hold me accountable wasn't there anymore. You know, I wanted to party, I wanted to have a good time, and I had a very successful college career and had a chance to play, or got a chance to play uh, independent ball for a couple years after after college. You know, behind the scenes, I was kind of spinning spinning out of control. So after the season, there was, you know, my wife and I met, so she never actually got to see me play. And Jamie had a, a daughter, uh, her name's Lyric, and she was seven years old when we met. You know, there was a level of interest and attraction, and for years and years and years, that's what our foundation was built off of. At the time, I, I was coming off of living a crazy life, you know, I used to drink and party to have fun. Towards the the end of all this, it was it was just drinking to change the change the mood. There were so many times that I wanted to change, and there were so many things in my life that I wanted to change. And for some reason, I it, it just had a hold on me, and I couldn't I couldn't do it. And I think over time, Jamie got tired of it. The selfishness of what I wanted to do and what I thought was right broke our relationship. You know, we we finally decided that we were going to get separated. I think the point for me where I finally uh, surrendered was when I was sitting in court looking over at my wife and her attorney and we're, you know, this is really happening. At that point, I was willing to do whatever it took to get my family back. We went to counseling and, uh, you know, we were finally honest with the counselor about what had been going on in our marriage. I started a rehab program. I've never been a person to ask for help. I needed help. So I relied on the, the people around me and I, and I relied on, on God to, to kind of guide me in the right way. And the patience and love that I've, that I've learned from, from Jesus and the people that have put, that Jesus has put in our lives is something that I've never seen or felt before. Well, God restored our, our marriage, you know? I think he, he restored both of us, you know? He gave us, he gave us time to figure ourselves out. There are the struggles. You know, we do have have struggles, and and, uh, we are sinners. To be able to give that to God and repent, and Him love us, and Him forgive us, and Him still accept us for who we are, and know that He's never going to leave us is very, very powerful for me. Our restoration comes through Jesus and through the cross. He died for our sins, and, and what that means to me is that you know, there is hope. Um, it's something that I've never felt before. And this is what I've been looking for the whole time.
Isn't that a great story? Would you thank God for allowing him to share it with us? Because I believe with all my heart that Jesus, through his resurrection power, can heal any marriage, heal any person, and give them new life. You're about to hear a great message. I've heard it four times now. And it's the resurrection power of Jesus. He is alive. It's great news. It's great news. We're looking at the Gospel of John over the last couple few months. And John is asking the question repeatedly through the Gospel, who is Jesus? Folks, it's the most important question ever asked. Who is Jesus? Do you believe he's a mere mortal man, a good philosopher, a good man gone wrong whose life was given needlessly? That's not the option. John declares clearly throughout the gospel that Jesus is God in human flesh. He is the one who came to this world, died for our sin, was raised to new life in order to guarantee us eternal life. And the proof of Jesus' deity is the resurrection. For other people have died and been resuscitated, but only to die again. There's only one who's been raised from the dead, never to die again. And his name is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Would you praise God for the resurrection one more time? Now, I'm going to need your help today. Fifth sermon, okay? So encourage me, lift me up with your words, talk back at me. That's okay for me. John, the 20th chapter is where we'll begin today. Let's look at the reading of the scripture. If you're able, would you please stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word? We do that here at Forest Hill. We respect this book highly. John 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were being unlocked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace. And the word there means shalom. It means the total prosperity of God upon you. Not just the absence of conflict, but God's total blessing upon you. Peace, shalom be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace, shalom be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, starting with verse 24, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace, shalom, be with you. A third time. You think he's trying to tell us something? What he wants to give us in his resurrection is shalom, God's blessing. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe Mm. the word of the Lord. You may be seated. 
Let me go through these two stories quickly. So on the evening of that first day, that, that Sunday night of the resurrection, Jesus had already appeared to Mary Magdalene, Mary, Peter, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem, about a seven-mile trek. And here is the next of his resurrection appearances. So it happens in the evening of the Sunday when he was raised from the dead. And the doors were locked by his disciples. Why? They were afraid they'd be arrested and have to be crucified just like Jesus. So they were consumed with fear. And Jesus came and stood among them in a physical material resurrection body. Keep that in mind. That is very important. Jesus had a physical, material resurrection body. And he says to them, shalom be with you. That God's total blessing is what he desires for all of you. And then he showed them the wounds in his hands inside, and they were glad that he appeared to them. Then he says a second time, shalom be with you. God's prosperity and blessing be with you. And then he says something remarkable. He says, as the Father sent me into the world, so I send you into the world. Now, if you're new to the Christian faith or even a skeptic today, you've probably heard that we Christians worship three gods, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We worship one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, a mystery, not totally understandable on this side of eternity, but clearly what the Bible teaches repeatedly. And what the Bible teaches is there's one God who has a perfect relationship among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They love one another deeply. They existed before this world was ever created. And if you've ever asked the question, why was I created, here's the answer. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so perfectly loved one another, they created you and me to share in that love. That's the why you were created, to be in a personal, intimate relationship with God and to experience his love and then give that love away to all the people in your sphere of influence. That's why Jesus was sent into the world, though, because we shattered that perfect world of shalom with sin, brokenness, our relationship with God, our relationship with other people. We have rebelled against God in our own treachery, our own selfishness. And so God looked at his world that he created beautifully, and he turns to his son and he said, would you go? I'm sending you. And the son said, yes. And he left the perfection of heaven and entered the squalor of this world. Why? To restore, to restore shalom. To restore that relationship with the father and that love that God wants us to know with him and with one another. So Jesus left the splendor of heaven, put on human flesh, lived the life none of us can live because of this disease called sin that every single one of us has. Another word for sin is selfishness, separation. All of us have it. All of us have broken the heart of God. All of us have hurt other people. Jesus came, lived the life of perfect love with the Father, with others, and then went to the cross to take the penalty for our sin upon himself and then was raised from the dead. Why? Because you can't keep a good God down. If Jesus is a mere mortal human being, he has to stay in the tomb. The wages of sin is death. But if he's truly God as he claimed to be, he has to be raised from the dead. Has to. So here, God in human flesh, in his material, resurrected body, appears to his disciples and says, as the Father sent me into the world, and I gladly accepted that calling, so now you, my disciples, I send into the world. 
People ask me all the time as followers of Jesus, where's my mission field? And I always answer, between your feet, wherever you may be, in your business place, your neighborhood, your recreational activities, you are Jesus' ambassador of love. You are called there to let his love that's in you flow to those who need his love. So as the Father sent me, so now I am sending you. And then after he said this, he breathed on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. That's the third person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We receive him when we believe in Jesus. And Jesus said, as I have forgiven you, now you go into the world and tell other people they have been forgiven. Again, vessels of God's love and forgiveness to the world. And isn't it wonderful that through the resurrection, Jesus says, all that shame and guilt that you feel for all the ways you've broken God's heart and other people's hearts has been forgiven. And now go tell other people of my grace and love that forgives them. It reminds me of John 15, 13, where Jesus said, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for a friend. In this church, the Sheltra family had a son named Richard who last year as a Pineville firefighter rushed into a burning building and gave his life to save other people. Michael and Lene, Richard's parents, live with the resurrection hope they'll see Richard again one day. But they also live in the reality that he came very close to expressing the love of Jesus on this side of eternity. He was willing to give his life so other people can live. That's what Jesus did for us. And that's what he was saying to his disciples. Go into the world and tell people of my forgiving love. Now, now Thomas, one of the 12, who's also called the twin, was not with them when Jesus appeared. Uh, Where was Thomas? I have a good guess. If you look at other places in the Bible, you'll see that Thomas, who's affectionately nicknamed what? Doubting Thomas. Thomas was away from the other 12 because he is the consummate spiritual Eeyore. He looks at life with the glass half empty. I mean, everything is negative for him. He is the consummate negative thinker. So after Jesus dies on the cross, what does Thomas do? He runs away. He goes, what a farce. Three and a half years of my life given to this Jesus, and he dies on a Roman cross. He doesn't go back to his friends. He just goes and sulks. He goes and is negative. But to his credit, he comes back to his friends. And he's with them. And they tell him that Jesus appeared to them and even showed them the wounds in his body. (laughs) Thomas says, unless I touch those wounds, I'll never believe. Then a week later, so, so imagine next Sunday night, all the disciples are together with Thomas, and the doors are locked. Why? They're still fearful. They're going to be arrested and crucified themselves. And Jesus appears a second time. And you know what? He looks at Thomas and says, Thomas, touch my wounds. Now, let me warn you, don't say anything that you don't expect Jesus to hear. All of your doubts and negativisms and slander and gossip, he hears. And he heard Thomas's doubts. 
And so what does he do? He comes in a physical, material, resurrected body another time and says to Thomas, here, touch me. Now, dear friends, there's no evidence that Thomas ever touched those wounds. In response to this offer from Jesus, he falls on his knees and cries out, you remember? My Lord and my God. He starts worshiping Jesus. Now, notice a couple things here. First of all, the first person pronoun, my. I don't know what you folks think the Christian faith is, but many have reduced the Christian faith to mere rules and regulations. Nothing could be farther from the truth. That's every other world's religion that says, here are the do's and don'ts in order to find God's pleasure. The Christian faith is the only faith that says Jesus died on the cross and did it for us, the work of salvation. It is finished when he cried out on the cross. The work of salvation is done for you. You can't do it yourself. And when you realize that and he breathes his life within you and you know his great love, you have a personal, intimate relationship with the God of this universe. That's the Christian faith. A personal, living, dynamic relationship with the God of this universe through the resurrected Jesus. For those of us who believe, he lives inside of us. We walk with him. We talk with him all the time. Isn't that good news? I mean, that is the greatest news possible. Thanks, I forgot to tell you to come on. I need your help. Fifth service, you got to help me, all right? He, he gave us that, that wonderful mess. That's why Thomas cried out what? Remember? My Lord and my God. Now, the second thing that's important here is notice Jesus received his worship. Remember John's most important question throughout the Gospel of John? Who's Jesus? John is declaring constantly throughout the Gospel, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, I'm the resurrection of life, all those claims of Jesus that he's God. And here's another example of it. Thomas worshiped Jesus and he received it. He didn't say to him, get up, I'm a creature, I'm not worthy to be worshipped. Like in the book of Revelation, when an angel appeared to John to give him the book of Revelation, John fell to his knees and started worshipping the angel. The angel said, get up off your knees. I'm a mere creature, I'm not worthy to be worshipped. Yet here Jesus received Thomas's worship, a clear declaration that Jesus believed he was God. And then Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, you have seen and believed, but blessed are those who have never seen but believe. Now, now in the Muslim world right now, there are literally tens of thousands of Muslims who are having visions from the resurrected Jesus. It's astounding. Books are being written about it. It's unbelievable. My guess is you nor I have seen a resurrected Jesus. Maybe there are a few of you. God bless you, but most of us haven't. But I'm here to tell you today Blessed, and the word means fortunate, with God's favor, his great blessing. Blessed are those of us who have never seen, yet still believe. There's a special blessing and favor from God for those of us who've never seen, yet still believe. That's what Peter meant in, in 1 Peter 1.8 when he said, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and receive with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. It's what Paul, one of Jesus' followers, meant when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.7, for we walk by what, folks? By faith and not by sight. And really fortunate and really blessed are those who continue to believe 
though they have not seen. Now, that blessing, though, I think is connected to the life of Thomas, for example. Not only did he believe in my Lord and my God, and if you want that kind of blessing from God, you've got to believe that he is my personal Lord and God. You've got to believe he's been received into your heart and he lives with and through you. You've got to believe that. The second thing, though, is you've got to be willing to go where Jesus sends you. And that was Thomas. Are, are you aware that with Jesus' 12 disciples, minus Judas, now with Paul, that all 11 except one went westward? They went to Turkey and Greece and Rome and Spain. They all went westward except one. Guess who went eastward? Guess. You got it, Thomas. Went eastward and went to India. Now, Marilyn and I have been to India on a couple of occasions. Our most recent trip there, about a year and a half, we were amazed not only to see the work of Forest Hill there and how many churches we planted, thousands upon thousands of churches, but also there's a swath in the southern part of India where there are literally thousands of churches that have been there for 2,000 years, the largest of which is called the Church of St. Thomas. Thomas turned eastward. He went to India and proclaimed the forgiveness of Jesus and planted literally hundreds of churches. And also, you need to know, Thomas gave his life there for Jesus. He was martyred for the faith. Dear friends, if you're willing to say, Jesus is my Lord and my God, and you're willing to go wherever he sends you, locally, globally, wherever he sends you, you can expect the blessing of Jesus even though you have never seen him. Now, let me take just a quick moment and talk to those of you who are spiritual skeptics, for I'm sure on Easter that you are here. I put together these 10 proofs of the resurrection, and let me invite you as a spiritual skeptic to study the proofs of the resurrection. This is not all inclusive, but it gives you a good start. And here's what I believe. Jesus said, if you seek, you will what? You'll find. If you knock, you will what? The door will be opened. So I believe, as a spiritual skeptic, if you'll just seek, you'll find Jesus. If you're serious about knocking on his door, he'll open it for you. And look at the proofs of the resurrection. Now, why do I want you to do that? Because people like Simon Greenleaf, who was the founder of the Harvard School of Law, literally was a Jesus antagonist and put him on trial. He became the judge, the jury, and the executioner and looked at all of the evidence of Jesus, the founder of Harvard School of Law, one of the greatest legal minds, Simon Greenleaf, this world has ever known, put Jesus on trial. At the end of all the evidence, what happened? He fell on his knees and cried out, my Lord and my God. C.S. Lewis, an atheist, hated Jesus and did all the research about who he is, and he concluded he is who he says he is and fell on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. Lee Strobel a writer for the Chicago Tribune hated Jesus and put him on trial and at the end of the journey fell on his knees and said, my Lord and my God, I dare you skeptics to do the study. Look at all the rational mind reasons to believe in Jesus and I believe once you do so, you'll move from your mind quickly to your heart. I dare you. We have something here called Starting Point. It's a place for spiritual skeptics to come together and just ask lots of questions. Please do the next one here. Seek, and I promise you'll find. But let me spend the rest of this message talking to those of us who have never seen, yet we believe. Have you ever asked yourself, what are the blessings, the benefits of the resurrection for me personally? Have you ever asked that question? Well, I'm so glad you asked it today. 
I'm about to tell you what some of those benefits are. Not all inclusive, but here are many. First of all, dear friends, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. Just think about some of the ways you've embarrassed yourself and embarrassed others, but mostly embarrassed God. Think about that. Jesus came to take all of that guilt and shame upon himself and through his resurrection to declare to all of us, you can't keep a good God down. And your sins are forgiven. If you went to the Lord right now and reminded him of that awful, gross sin that you committed some years ago, you know what he'd say to you? I distinctly remember forgetting that. As far as the east is from the west, God is an eternal amnesiac for those of us who've received Jesus' forgiveness. Isn't that good news? Would you praise him for that right now and give me a chance to catch my breath? What's another benefit? Here's a second one. You have power over your sin, that which has kept you in prison for all of these years. Jesus said in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you get that? The power that raised Jesus from the dead, if he's breathed his forgiveness in you, now lives within you. Isn't that incredible news? Isn't that amazing news? Now, here's the point. What does Jesus breathe into us? He breathes within us his forgiving love. And I am convinced the only thing that can heal marriages like you saw in the video, the only thing that can restore broken, depressed lives, the only thing that can overcome addictions and the power of alcohol is to love something more. And when you love Jesus more than you love anything in this world, you desire to do his will more than anything else. And when that comes, a power is given to you that lives in you that allows you to break the power of sin, death, and the devil's power over you. And that's what he's given you through Jesus. Yes, would you please thank him for that? That's what he's given you, folks. So, so, so for example, there, there's a guy here at the, the 9 o'clock service, and I know his story. A heroin addict. Years, marriage almost on the verge of breaking up. You know what happened? He fell in love with Jesus. And he loved Jesus more than the heroin addiction. And so he daily started choosing Jesus over the heroin addiction because he loved Jesus more than the heroin. You with me? And over now five plus years, he is heroin free because the love of Jesus has been poured into his heart. Thank God for that one. So you have that power that now lives within you. Third, you have a new identity rooted in grace, not performance. Man, I only have a couple minutes on this one. I'd love to have two hours on it. So many of you have fallen prey to the lie that you are who you are by what you do. So if you get fired from your job, you're devastated. But in Jesus, you are not who you are by what you do. You are who you are by what's been done for you on the cross. And therefore, if you get fired from your job, you go, well, God's got another job for me. If I have a terminal illness, I have another life waiting for me. Because my identity is not what I do. It's in who has died for me, what's been done for me. So some of you dads out there, for example, are living through your kids right now. And you're causing them devastating pain because you want them to be the athlete you never were. And you impose all kinds of pressure on them to succeed. And they're being brought up with... My identity is in how I perform. 
and nothing could be worse. So would you dare today to believe that you are who you are by what Jesus says? You are a child of God. You are loved deeply by him. Nothing can ever separate you from that love. And again, your identity is in who he says you are, not in how you perform. It'll set you free if you ever believe that in Jesus' name. Would you praise God for that one, please? What else is a blessing from those of us who have not seen him yet still believe you have access to God? You know, my, my children, I have three children, as you may know, and um, I told them years ago that they can call me anytime they need me. And if I am in a, a very important meeting, but I see on my phone that their name comes up, I will drop everything and take that call. The Bible says that because of the cross of Christ, you have access to the Father in heaven, that no matter where you are, what may be going on in your life, you can pick up the phone and the Lord God of this universe will drop everything he's doing and listen to you. One person gets it, okay? <laughs> you with me? I mean, if you get that, folks, that, that, that's because he's my Lord and my God. I'm in personal relationship with him, and I can call him anytime, any day. And I don't have to worry about going through a priest or going through Mary. No offense. I only have to go through Jesus. And I have access to the Father all day long. You have no condemnation. Folks, this is so important. Have you recently heard a voice that whispers to you, you sorry rascal? You, you say you love Jesus. How could you have that thought in your mind? If you love Jesus, how could you say that? If you love Jesus, how could you do that? Anybody heard that voice within the last 10 minutes? And isn't it amazing how that voice has a southern accent and sounds remarkably like our own? Isn't it amazing? That's because it's the enemy. Jesus came to defeat sin, death, and the devil. And we have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. So if you hear that voice, you go, that's not my Lord speaking to me. Because one of the benefits of believing though you have not seen is I'm no longer under condemnation. I'm loved by my Father. And any voice that denies that love is not from him. Um, six, you have Jesus' eternal peace and presence within you. <laughs> I have a personal Facebook and Twitter account. I use it just to try to encourage people. I love to encourage people toward Jesus. And I have a couple of radical atheists who follow me. And they regularly tweet or put on Facebook, you still listening to your imaginary friend, smiley face? And are you still leaning on that crutch called Jesus? And I always write back, you better believe it. I talk regularly to my imaginary friend. We talk all day long, every single day. I can't wait to talk to him. And it's so wonderful to put all my burdens on him. And do I rely on him? Is he a crutch? You'd better believe it because I'm weak. I'm very weak. But when I'm weak, I've discovered he's really strong. And I lean on him for every part of my life. Praise God. Smiley face. Smiley face. Back to you. But because one of the benefits, though I have not seen him yet believe, is his promised presence. And it's there, right? Always. And also you have the miracle working power of God that if Jesus lives in you, expect miracles. You know, my wife Marilyn had severe endometriosis for 
almost nine years. Doctors told us we'd never have children. People in this church laid hands on her, anointed her with oil, prayed for her. She had a big surgery for so the last four hours to try to save one tube. Bottom line, they came up after 30 minutes, a doctor shuffling his feet and said, I can't explain this, I don't understand this, but your wife's tubes are perfect. And thereafter, we had our first child, Bethany. And then four years later, our son, David. And then five years after that, total surprise in our 40s, here comes Michael. And, and believe me, we do know how he got here, but sometimes we wonder about it. <laughs> and, and we have four grandchildren now and more to come. And would you love to see a picture of them? No, I'm just teasing anyway. We think about the legacy of all of our children serving the Lord for generations to come. And it comes because we believe in the power of the resurrection that we have a miracle-working God. And I don't know what your needs may be. Thank you. I don't know what your needs may be. But by faith in believing, though you have not seen, you receive blessings from the Lord. Believe in a miracle-working God. Don't give up. Keep believing, please. And then also, real quickly, you have a new resurrection body awaiting you. And that's why I told you Jesus appeared to them in a material resurrection body. And what Jesus taught was, I'm the first fruits of all who believe in me are going to get the same thing. So what does that mean? Those of us who believe in Jesus are going to get a similar material resurrection body. It's going to be like the bodies we have now, just perfect. And what it means is we no longer have trials, turmoil, troubles, or difficulties in those bodies. Can anybody Get excited about awaiting that kind of resurrection body. As I get older and the knees creak and the hair grays, I can't wait. Some of you guys are so young, you think you're bulletproof. Your day will come, okay? And then finally, a blessing that we have not seen, though we believe, is a physical reunion with those who love Jesus. Oh, man, my mom and dad have died over the last several years. Love them so much. Can't wait to see them again. And guess what? I'm going to see him again. Gentry and Hadley Eddings, what got them through the death of their two boys two years ago in that tragic automobile accident? The belief that they'll see their boys again. What's getting Lene and Michael Sheltra through these difficult days of their son having given his life for other people is the belief they will see him again. Folks, I can't wait for that day. How about you? Would you praise God for that? Now... Okay, i got to wrap this up. The, the problem with coming to the last service is I don't have any back-end services, so I get to preach longer, okay? Oh, three people are excited about that. All right, All right would y'all please stand? And, and I'm going to conclude with this. Uh, most of you know that I had the privilege of playing basketball at the University of North Carolina. And two weeks ago, North Carolina won the national championship, and I'm still so excited about that. And there are others of you out there who are ABCers, anybody but Carolina, and you would root for the Taliban if they played Carolina. I get that. But, dear friends, I'm going to bask in this as long as I can because I don't know if I'm ever going to get another one. Well, over the last two weeks, I've had many of my friends, some pro or some anti-Carolina, who written me or said to me, that was an ugly win. That was an ugly win. And here's my response. I'd rather have an ugly win than a beautiful loss. I'd rather have an ugly win than a beautiful loss any day. And what the Christian faith is, is an ugly win. On the cross, the blood shed because of our sin. It had to be that bad because our sin is that bad. 
the separation from the Father because when the sin of our sin came upon Jesus, the Father couldn't have a relationship with him, and he turned his back, and Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? It was ugly. Okay, let's get revved up just one more time. But dear friends, on the third day, on the third day, a part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday, on the third day, that's how the Jews counted, on the third day, come on, get with me, on the third day, on that third day, he did not stay in the tomb. You can't keep a good God down. He did not stay in that tomb. He was raised from the dead to give us the benefits of his eternal glory. An ugly win, but a win nevertheless. Let's praise him.